Evening, everyone. Excuse me tonight, I've got a bit of a sore throat or something I'm recovering from. Well, as you know, we um, finished a, a one-week um, session last week, and um, I just wanted to share with you some of my bemused observing my own mind during that time. We haven't talked about, we haven't spoken about um, observing or observing mind for some time, so I thought I'd just remind you all about it and talk a little bit about it. But I was bemused with the way my mind would wander off sometimes and then I'd catch it and bring it back, which is the experience of everyone. And um, it came to mind that the observing mind is kind of like the supervisor or like a parent of a, of a small child, like, say, a toddler between, like, two and four. And it's like, if you don't keep your eye on what the mind is doing, it can get into a whole lot of different mischief, you know. So you imagine it's like, if you, it's kind of like the equivalent of, a, of a, a little boy who knows there's ice cream in the fridge and he drags the, 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 the chair over to the fridge so he can just get up and pull it open and get the ice cream out, you know, and then you have to come along and sort of, you know, deal with him and distract him and get him back on focus. Or if you're not watching again, do you know, he grabs the crayons and starts writing on the walls, do you know, and, and then you have to, you know, gently bring him back, do you know, plays with the toys again. And then if you don't keep your mind on him again, he goes into where his little baby sister is in the bassinet and he pokes her, you know, and sort of... See, how, how far do I need to poke her before she'll wake up and cry, you know? Um, and so you bring him back again, you know, playing with the toys. And then he wanders off again and he sees, you know, the most expensive vase up on the, you know, on the, above the fireplace and he works out a way of getting the chair there so he can grab it and grab it. And you just catch him in time, you know, before it all breaks. But your mind kind of works like that, you know, it kind of... It goes off getting into messes here and there, and it's kind of like you've got to keep your eye on it and supervise it to come come back to the moment each time. And um, it's an ongoing process. And when when you first start practice, it kind of you notice that the mind is really like a a child that wants to wander off here and there and get into mischief. And then, um, and then as you mature in practice, it kind of grows into an adolescent thing, you know, and you've still got to watch the adolescent. And then it grows into a mature adult. And uh, so as you, as you keep witnessing the mind and observing it, something, something settles in it more and more. But even as an adult, you still need to keep watching it. And it may not get into the same kind of mischief it gets into as a child. But you've still got to keep just observing the way the mind wants to just sort of wander off away from the moment. So in one way, as a way of conceptualising, you could say there's an observing mind and a thinking mind. And the practice is to always turn up, not to scold the thinking mind, not to over-control it, but to just keep an eye on what it's doing all the time. And uh, because, uh, as the Buddha said, <clears throat> um, what we think um, impacts on the way we speak, um, 
it sort of etches our character and then that becomes the way that we kind of relate to the world. So it's very important that we're actually being very aware of the thoughts that go through our mind. And as we say in one of the readings, it's not as though you can stop what comes into your mind. Uh, That's a pointless kind of exercise to do that. But if you're observing what comes into the mind, then um, you're not identifying with it and you take the ego investment out of it. So anger comes into the mind, you just notice that you're feeling angry. Uh, and the, and the, it's important to look at the, the difference in language that describes that too. There's a big difference between saying, I'm angry and I'm feeling angry. Just like there's a big difference in the reading where it says, um, she's difficult and I'm having a thought that she's difficult. You get that sense of disidentification taking the investment out again. So it's important to remind ourselves that we can't stop the stimulus that comes into our mind, Um, but practice is always turning up to observe what your mind's actually doing, what's it up to, and, and that in itself is enough to actually transform something. So that instead of all of these various angry thoughts or resentful thoughts or um, fantasizing thoughts about the hope, future based on false hope and so on, instead of them running the show and then that influencing your character and what you say and what you do, um, simply stepping back and witnessing all that non-judgmentally but also very honestly as well what's actually occurring then then the thoughts don't have the same um, influence over you and then they don't shape the character so to go back to the Buddha's words which are, I can't remember them exactly I'm paraphrasing them but he said something along the lines it's very important to watch what you're thinking because everything that you do in life is generated from that thinking And of course, it's important for us to recognise that there's not actually a thinking mind or emotional mind there, and that's sort of not the real us, but the real us is the observer. The the observer isn't the real us either. There isn't a thing inside of you, you know, which is some permanent, unchanging, conscious um, identity um, that is an observer. And yet people do then cling to an observer. They think that they're the observer. And it's better to think of the process, not that there's an observer inside of you, but there is the process of observing going on all the time. It's not a noun, but a verb. There's definitely an observing process going on. But that doesn't imply that there's something permanent inside of you that you can actually identify which is the observer. But some religions would want to do that. Some spiritual models would want to do that, that you are the observer. Mm -hmm. But what's that? Where do you find it? Mm -hmm. Like the um, koan I um, was mentioning during session about Bodhidharma pacifying the mind. Bodhidharma is sitting there facing the wall and the man who, the monk who ends up becoming his successor comes in and says, my mind is completely restless, can you put it 
to rest for me. And Bodhidharma says, bring me your mind and I'll put it to rest for you. And the Ikai, the second founding teacher, said, I can't find it anywhere. And Bodhidharma said, well, there you are. I've put your mind to rest for you. Not even an observer can you find in there. Not even an observer. <laughs>